0: Warning.
1: Watch very closely now.
0: Three, two, one. Bazaow. Check that out. The following podcast features terrible jokes. You know you can use uh, Hot Wheels cars when you need to make a saving throw in d d Every car is die cast usually
2: about board games
1: we want the (laughs) phone gotta have that (laughs) phone
2: must insist that no one attempt to recreate any joke performed on this podcast
1: we
0: had less technical issues than a million dollar company this
1: is boards and swords
0: welcome to boards and swords this is a podcast where we feature bad jokes good folks and some tabletop games i of course and your host Chris Renshaw, and I'm going to throw it over to our good folks this week. As always, we've got my partner in crime, Mr. Philip Herbig. How's it going?
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show.
0: And then joining this week, we have Jim Johnson from Modiphius, who is, uh, I was corrected earlier, is the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG.
2: Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Excited to be here.
0: Uh, so, other than just saying uh, it's the Star Trek RPG, uh, what's the the quick and dirty thirty second pitch for why should a Star Trek fan play uh, Star Trek Adventures?
2: Why a Star Trek fan should play Star Trek Adventures? Well, if you've watched any Star Trek and you love Star Trek and you want to bring the Star Trek feel and experience to your gaming table and play play a tabletop RPG uh, live or virtual, like you know, present with your friends on a table or virtually. Uh, Star Trek adventures uh, was built from the ground up to emulate that uh, that narrative dramatic Star Trek feel uh, it's baked right into the system so it's uh it is it is the one to use we've been going at it for seven years now going strong got a steady slate of stuff coming for the next couple years and uh, it's a, a hugely well supported line and the fan base is fab fantabulous so I would say if you want to dip your toes into it go for it
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to be talking a lot more about that as soon as my mouse stops going all over the place. But uh, we're going to talk a lot more about Star Trek Adventures and the fact that uh, Jim is probably the uh, one of the few people that can out-track Philip here. <laughs> I'm really I was, I was about it because it's definitely something that uh, Philip has Philip has a big passion for. So I knew he'd be super psyched to hear. He was our GM for Star Trek Adventures when he when he uh, got us to play. Um, yep. Oh, very cool. Also, because names are in the book. Ah, that's right. That's right. Because you backed the thing, or the the original. I did the the playtest. That's right.
1: Playtester names in the book.
0: Right, and then uh, because it Star Trek Adventures was your first time GMing, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. But like I said, we'll get back to that. But first, uh, we have some news pieces. Starting off here. Nice, you actually did put it on the, the soundboard. I did nice. Uh, why are Canadians better at ChatGPT? It is called AI. Oh. <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: ChatGPT will soon let an AI teach you board game rules. So you know, everyone's favorite AI. That's not really an AI. Uh, Teaching your game night group how to play the latest board game is hardly ever an enjoyable task, but would you relegate that work to an AI script? OpenAI, the company behind the popular chatbot, recently introduced a suite of tools that allow the public to create their own AI agents and board game rules for one of their prime use cases. Uh, Simply called GPTs, these machine-learned powered AI script bots tout a no-coding framework, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, people have been using these to make D&D characters. Uh, let's see. Where does it get? To? Okay. So how does the board game rules GPT actually work? Uh, not sure as, uh, oh, okay. So there's not actual, but basically <laughs> you have to pay for it.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. It's right now that GPTs are currently limited to premium open AI accounts, meaning you'll need to pay a fee to let your own script or into internet randoms bot later on teach you the interest key so someone has to like pay to get it to do it but then i'm assuming after that you can then anyone can use it maybe
1: that could be a thing
0: it's like someone's got to pro pay to program it but i would
1: i would want to i would want to see how uh rodney from watch it played <laughs> thinks this is going to work
0: yeah it's also like i'm just sitting here thinking you're just, it, all it's doing is just reading. It's just, it, it, it's not like it's speaking to you. It's just giving you a bunch of text to read. But literally you have a rule book that's a bunch of text to read. So it's like, is it just condensing the rules? Like, is that what the, the, the only thing that this would actually do?
1: Uh, maybe that could be.
0: Like, I could maybe see it in like an RPG, like we, we're talking about here, RPG setting, especially because you can kind of distill, you know, you got this big, Book that might be kind of yeah like what do I ne- I only need to know this tiny little piece out of here as a player,
1: uh-huh a lot of your RPG rule books can turn into those uh food blogs where you got to get through the story to read the recipe,
0: yeah <laughs> back in my day but uh yeah, so I'm very- inter- plus there's also the side effect of you know everyone assumes chat or not everyone but like a lot of people assume that what they read on chat GPT is right because it sounds right and because it's a computer but that doesn't mean it's right oh, so yeah 100% y- you go to play at a tournament and it's like oh okay well I uh play two mana cards and you're like you can't do that well that's what I was that's the way I was taught how to play
1: it's like it's like everyone telling you know that their rules were wrong yeah
0: exactly <laughs> Jim, would you have a would you would you pro, would you be willing to program a ChatGPT to teach people Star Trek Adventures?
2: Uh, if I could figure out how to do it and keep Paramount happy, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a good point. Um, now you got mm-hmm. licensees involved. Really, yeah, yeah, I haven't quite figured that piece out yet. Um, I do know that there are a number of fan, Star Trek Adventures fans out there who have used ChatGPT, like they've loaded in their own snippets of the rule set, or with like uh, the captain's log solo RPG. They've they've manually inputted in a lot of the random tables, and then they use Chat GPT to to do some of the random um, work for them, and then compile those different bits into either story prompts or scene prompts or whatever that they can then cut and paste into their into the story that they're creating. So I see there's a lot of potential, but I think the real challenge would be figuring out uh, you know copyright and then of course licensing when you get uh, licensees involved in it. So it's a uh, it's new technology, obviously. <laughs> I think there's a lot of great potential uh there's just you know of course you got, yeah you got get the lawyers involved in the bean counters and all that great stuff so that oh yeah it's get their their chunk of the pie you know
0: <laughs> everybody's got to get paid you got to have that green yeah yep. if it could if Everybody. it could
1: read out story bits in uh Majel, barrett Rodgers, oh that that's just
0: be great. bravo that's how you do it yes i need yeah. somebody to make a, a text-to-speech in her voice mm-hmm AI or generated right yeah yeah that's yeah, text that like a, a model of her voice where you could just type in your intro and like the computer would read it to you. But
1: mm-hmm. then I would need the computer to pull some uh Loxana Troy* stuff and get sassy with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or uh, if you're gonna ha- you could have, it, you could have your RPG on like a already in canon ship. Like, say, Picard is, you know, your captain, but you're playing like lower decks people to where like you hardly ever see him. But like you oh, start you. your adventure off with like a, a captain's log in his voice. Oh, there you go. The ideas are flowing. Of course, these are all unofficial because that then you'd have to, like I said, get the to get the bean counters involved.
2: Yeah, and, and the talent, right? You would, you would be getting into some squishy territory there if you're if you're emulating people's voices in a computer AI. Program. Boy, that, right, that really gets that really gets into the weeds, and I'm sure SAG-AFTRA would have a lot of fun trying to. Well, oh, I'm figure sure out that's
0: kind yeah, of what yeah. the strike was all about too was that emergence of exactly. that stuff uh
2: so and, uh and, you know hooray, hooray that the strike is over so you know congrats to the unions for getting that stuff sorted out so you know i want because i've got a lot of friends who have been sidelined for a long time waiting for those stri- strikes to get sorted out so uh you know whatever so, your you know political beliefs i think uh you know unions union strong over here at least
0: yeah I actually I okay. Since since you have a little bit more knowledge than I do on this, wasn't it over before? And then, like, did they reject a proposal and continue the strike? Because I feel like it was over a couple months ago, and then I heard it was still on, and now it's over officially.
2: Um, not quite sure of the timeline exactly. I know that the Writers Guild uh, struck for a while, and then while they were striking, SAG-AFTRA struck. Oh, as well. that's okay. And, and the, and the I'm most confusing the were two together. I'm confusing then, the two. Uh, the, That's what it is. Yeah, the Writers Guild settled a month ago, six weeks ago, something like that. And yep. then, once they settled, I suspected it was probably just a matter of time before the uh, the studios caved and uh, and gave SAG what they were after, um, or however it worked out. I don't know right. exactly that was the details, obviously, but but yeah. So um, there there were two separate strikes. I, I know. I remember reading that uh, SAG after you know they had a number of proposals, rejected a bunch of them because uh, you know obviously there was just a lot of challenges going on, but you know, finally it all worked out. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all the fruits of that labor coming up in the coming years. You know, Star yeah. Trek can go back to work. Star Trek can go back to work. All the other movies and stuff can go back to work and uh, all the entertainment that we've been waiting for, you know, can, uh, can get back on track here.
0: All right, well, moving on. This, uh, this next RPG will have you crying havoc and uh, letting goose the honks of war uh, in our weird <laughs> RPG uh, section this new tabletop RPG is basically Untitled Goose Game. Like, literally, the game is called One Honk Before Midnight. So I had, like, just on the name alone, I had to put this in the notes. Uh, A new tabletop role-playing game sees players controlling a flock of geese terrorizing a quiet town (laughs) in a similar fashion to the indie video game Untitled Goose Game. Uh, One Honk Before Midnight is an upcoming tabletop RPG that takes place in a world that has been invaded by a gaggle of angry geese uh it tasks players with spreading goose based chaos across a local town arrival of humans onto into the world of one honk before midnight has upset the balance of nature and subsequently pissed a load of geese off as one of these foul fouls players will be re-establishing the dominance of geese by storming the idyllic town of stafford on gander and (laughs) causing trouble Uh, players will be using the honk h-o-n-k system to control their geese Rules like RPG system, Honk shares similarities with Dungeons and Dragons in apof- apocalypse world, but simplifies things. And, and literally, it's Honk stands for her- heroism, observation, nimbleness, and chaos. I love it. This is great.
2: Yeah, and if we wanted to take a gander at that, where would we? Find uh,
0: it?
2: So the uh, link will
1: currently be currently on Kickstarter until December fourth.
2: Okay. Kickstarter. Have they funded
0: yet? I didn't click um, the oh, Hang on, go back up to the top of the page. Uh
1: they have funded. Nice. They so it, it is in it's it, it auto converted to pounds so it doesn't tell me. Mm. Um the goal was $1222.
0: Gotcha. And it looks like here uh wow, $19 to get a copy of the physical book. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Oh yeah, 20 days to go, 557 backers. Nice. Yeah,
1: this this is yeah. Twenty six thousand dollars. That's pretty
0: cool. Yeah, this is I'm definitely gonna have to back this. Even if just like as a one-off, you know. You probably only play it once, but still. Yeah. Did you see the picture? The it's the three gooses in a trench coat. The three the
1: three geese in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> I because I saw I saw a TikTok yesterday of somebody who cosplayed as yeah, you three cobalt in a trench coat. You
0: sent
2: that to me. <laughs> that is
1: with like the moving heads and everything. That was great.
2: Yeah. All right. So this is truly this is truly the golden age of gaming. You can make a game out of literally anything. Yeah. And oh. uh get it up on Kickstarter, give it a chance, see what happens, see what kind of response you get. And uh, uh it's so it's so cool to see the creativity that's out there.
0: I remember I saw it was it was a free uh it was a free PDF because I think it was done one of those uh what are they called? The the it's like one of those game development things for like everyone just spends a weekend making a game and that's then you put up what you did. I forgot what it's called. Um but it was powered by a po- powered by the apocalypse world world <laughs> or it was an RPG. It was a Powered by the Apocalypse RPG about making Powered by the Apocalypse games.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh moving on, I saw this new horror game fundraising, but I figured it might be the wrong game to lend a hand. Oops, nope, not, not one honk before midnight. God, except all cookies. There we go. Uh, Saw a board game takes Kickstarter miniatures to a grim new level with a life-size severed hand. <laughs> You'll be able to take on the traps alone or with or against fan- friends. Uh, The upcoming Saw board game has carried over the morbid tone of the movies into its Kickstarter campaign, offering up a life-size severed hand in its collector's edition. Uh, It's the first tabletop adaptation of the horror franchise, pitting up six players against the deadly traps of Jigsaw and a competition to be the last one alive. However, in a twist, the players themselves are constructing the traps, collecting cards representing different mechanisms, objects, and escape methods. Since pulling a vab tub full of acid that must be escaped by pulling a lever, and over 2,000 possible combinations, and the cards are arranged to form a bit of narrative about the player's deadly creations in the same way that uh, Jigsaw raps to his victims about their increasingly elaborate situations. So, yeah, the Jigsaw Trials will include a single-player mode that will also allow for co-op gameplay as one or more players. Simply try and pass a set number of challenges by upcoming randomized traps uh, or uh, providing scenarios for each of the games, six playable characters, and a final ultimate trial against 13 random traps. But if that wasn't dark enough for you, the collector's edition gives you a life sized bloodied hand or severed hand. Hold on. Is this okay? So this is live right now on Kickstarter.
1: Yeah. 14 minutes to reach their funding goal. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, it, it's a it's a licensed property, so I'm not surprised. It
1: is. Uh,
0: I, hmm. what?
1: I was like, I I watched the first one, I watched the second one, and then I blinked, and there were like twelve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, look that that hand looks bigger than the box.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy. My my only my only hope my only hope is it's just like. It's hard plastic.
0: Why is that? That's my
1: because I don't want it squishy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so okay, you have be, to. It can be life a,
1: size. I just do not want it life like.
0: There's a sever. There's a separate box for the severed hand. The bottom of the severed hand box contains the trap blueprint from the game box. This used to display the hand and recreate the box art, uh, and a slipcase oh. that houses the game and severed hand collectible box. Like, does the hand actually do anything, or is it just?
1: I think it's just there to have it.
0: That's kind of that's that's, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh! Look at the actual look at the actual player, uh, pieces. Like you can detach the arms and legs. Like they're they're like it looks like a. I mean, literally. A oh jigs- yeah, because it, it, it
1: said that you um like you take damage and just like in the movie, you you don't heal. So if your arm gets chopped off, yeah, you're missing an arm.
0: I mean that's pretty creative, but I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm probably gonna have to show this to Ashley. This seems like up her alley. Yeah, definitely not. Use the hand as the first player token. Yeah, that would be it. Never really got into the song movies. Me neither. All right. Use the
1: hand like an old timey. Uh, you're an old timey British knight throwing down a gauntlet.
0: How many people are gonna have the hand like in their sleeve and then they go to like shake someone's hand and then the hand comes Oh
2: my
1: god Oh that's gonna happen so much next Halloween <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who bought that version
2: <laughs> Is is it a uh, is there dice in the game? I don't see any dice. Oh, I think right. it's I, mostly
0: like... just card based.
2: Hmm, okay. Well maybe maybe you could uh use the hand in other games and you could make a house rule that, you know, any anytime you have to roll a dice you have, you have to, to, have to like shake it, it in nice the hand.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> make it like a, make it like, um, oh, the college humor guys, their box of doom. Oh, yeah. The hand of doom. <laughs> this is a hand of doom roll.
0: Yeah. It does not ca- the contents do not have any uh, six workbenches, six character jigsaws, one saw token, six character cards, uh, 64 yeah. damage tokens, and 123 gameplay cards. So this is just a card, it's basically a card game. Um, With some player boards. That's going to be the... That's most of the gameplay there. Uh, Well, moving on past Halloween to Christmas. We're getting towards Christmas time. And Wizards of the Coast is bringing the myrrh. Murder, that is. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Where's... Oh, there it goes. This was... I I know I keep always bringing in a magic story. um, But I just keep finding and it is one of the most popular games so it's kind of hard not to talk about but this kind of got me intrigued it's so their new one of their new sets for next year comes out on February 9th 2024 Murders at Karlov Manor so I'm interested for a couple reasons first of all it's a uh it's a Ravnica themed one which love the plane of Ravnica uh Karlo Karlov Manor and Ravnica But it's a murder mystery magic set uh, where it's going to have puzzle solving mechanics tied into the into the set. Okay. So it's a a standard set where characters unravel a sinister plot line at Karlov Manor on Ravnica and has puzzle solving mechanics tied into it. Which I this is this is a decent time to talk about. I played uh, I played I went to Friday Night Magic for like the first time in like ten years. Uh, with the new commander decks I had and somebody had one of the, the, it was, I don't know if it was the D and D ones where they had some of the D and D cards in it where like there's a initiative card. And like when you attack somebody who has the initiative, you take the initiative from them and it gives you different benefits. And there's like a dungeon that whenever you take the initiative, you move a token down the dungeon card and you get different benefits depending on what level of the dungeon you're in. Um, and then there's also, there's even cards that just, like, you play a spell and you have to roll a d20 to find out what the spell does. Where it's, like, okay. you know, like, 1 through 5, it deals you damage instead. And, like, you know, maybe, like, 6 through 15, it does what you're intending it to do. And, like, 16, 17, 18, it does maybe, like, double that or something. Like, there's a, the, that, that D&D set is actually really interesting the way they tied that in. So, um, There's a lot of magic sets that have been doing pretty weird at the the wild theme, so I'm actually kind of interested in what this is going to be like. All right, last story here. Uh, Let's see here. And to finish things off, as I accept another cookies thing, uh, Blizzard is going to make me Diablo a lot of money soon. And that is uh, a Diablo board game, a tabletop RPG are on the way. So BlizzCon was, was a, a couple weeks back, um, but yeah, we're gonna have not only a Diablo board game, but a Diablo tabletop RPG as well. So the latest in the demon slaying franchise that started life back on the PC in 1997. Uh, for those unfamiliar with Diablo, the games typically follow the player's hero, potentially with a party of pals and multiplayer, as they slay their way to hell and back in a series of dungeons filled with skeletons, demons, and other monsters. The action RPG gameplay will give your mouse-clicking finger a good workout, but in the uh, details in the announcement were sparse. It sounds like Diablo the board game and Diablo the role-playing game will stay true to their namesake's dungeon-crawling roots, while also delving into the wider lore and mythos of the world of Sanctuary, the various demons that lurk underneath it, and the angels pitted against them in eternal conflict characters will face multiple opponents and battle at the same time with glass cannon unplugged saying that the RPG system will provoke satisfying fast-paced combat. Also I think wasn't glass uh, Philip glass cannon unplugged. Wasn't those the people that we talked to that were working in the, uh, that Netflix show and their RPG and they got canceled like right when they were about to, to to kickstart it or whatever. I feel, um, I feel like we just talked about Glass Cannon Unplugged like a couple
2: weeks ago. It might be Sounds a different familiar? Glass Cannon. That's I, true, there's I, a we couple. Were having a chat about this. Yeah, we were having a chat about this internally at Modiphius, and we think there's two different Glass Cannons. There's one in the UK, and there's one somewhere else, and um, a couple of us were a little confused, <laughs> and we're like, oh wait, that's not the same Glass Cannon, so I'm right. um, not quite sure which is which.
0: It's Entirely possible. This one, I would imagine this might be the Considering the CEO is J-Cub, like J-A-K-U-B, I imagine that might be the UK one. (laughs) Could be wrong, but uh, it's due to release at, the RPG due to release at next year's Gen Con. The next 12 months will be spent playtesting the game. Okay, so Glass Cannon are the same people that did the Frostpunk uh, board game. The zombie game, Dying Light, and the Apex Legends board games. So that's that's this glass cannon, same glass cannon. Okay, I mean, gotcha.
1: yes, Glass Cannon Unplugged is a board game studio. Then there's Glass Cannon Network.
0: I knew that. That's the, the they do a bunch of RPG actual play stuff. Network. Yeah. yeah, like they're the ones that always had the booth at Gen Con. Well, recently they've had booth in the corner where it's literally like a glass cube that they're in there playing. RPGs during, like, the entire Gen Con. But, I mean, you had me on the box art. I mean, look at that.
1: (laughs) The box art is pretty nice. I don't know.
0: I don't necessarily know what's going to be inside, but I'm already sold. Plus, it's a Blizzard Blizzard game, so I was probably going to be getting it anyways. Philip, you haven't played Diablo 4 yet, have you?
1: I haven't played Diablo 3.
0: You didn't play Diablo 3? Dang. All right. All right. With that, uh, let's. I'm gonna throw it over to Phil, and he's gonna talk about our Patreon.
1: That's right, folks. Patreon.com/slash Boards and Swords. slash Patreon. Either one will get you where where not where you want to go. It's where you need to go. All right. We've got great stuff going on in the background. Uh, for just the for just the bare minimum pledge, uh, you get access to all these uh super secret, uh, Discord channels. Uh, are they channels? Sure. Network? Okay, yeah. yeah. Super secret areas in our Discord server. Uh, you, you, you bump yourself up a little more. You get Chris uh, making the best, worst, best dad jokes of all your favorite games. Uh, a little higher up, you get sent out uh, a couple dice uh, every once in a while. We got some boards and swords branded d 6 um, they're great. I, I will say, Chris doesn't like me telling you all this, but they're weighted. They're always going to roll one. Put them right into dice jail, okay? <laughs> Just straight to jail.
0: Give them to your opponent.
1: There you go. That's right. Give them to your...
0: Uh, oh, I don't teach, have any dice here. Your, use mine. That's
1: right. Teach your kids that winning is never free and give them the loaded D6s. <laughs> uh, and then, at the uh, at uh, the, the piece de resistance that we are waiting for, uh, we are going to do... A Boards and Swords playthrough of Love Mutants of Castle Heartache. Uh, It was the Goodman Games, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Valentine's Day module. And um, just from the cover artwork, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a great time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, basically... Some of the bonus bits that we do, we've been recording, they've been kind of like, if you remember what we what we would have in the show before we started having a bunch of guests on, where we would be kind of just talking about the games we're playing and like news stories and such. That's what a lot of the bonus bits have become, uh, where like some of the news stories where it's like, okay, these are the ones I'm going to talk about on the show. And then anything else that I thought was cool, but I maybe couldn't make a joke about or wasn't much to talk about, I shove those in the bonus bits. So it's just more of what you love. So boardsandswords.com slash Patreon. And uh, with that, uh, I'm going to turn, we're going to go back to talking about Star Trek Adventures. Uh, and I got to ask, so Jim, have you been involved since the beginning or were you brought on at some point in the development of Star Trek Adventures? Like how long have you been working on this game?
2: Uh, yeah, so we, um, let's see, uh, Modiphius got the license in 2016 yeah 2016 and uh, they started development of the rpg uh, pretty much right away and uh, about three months into the development they started hiring writers and so on and so forth i came in so they, they had started developing it in like january 2016 i came on board in may as a as a writer a freelance writer i, I did a lot of work on the core book and then uh, you know as you do as a freelancer you just uh, show your skills and you make yourself available and you say, "Please give me more work. I can edit. I can proofread. I can do writing, et cetera, et cetera. I can project manage. And uh, pretty quickly, because uh, you know, back then that was what seven years ago. Medifius was a super, super lean company, and everybody wore you know twenty different hats. And uh, I just you know rapidly got involved in editing and uh, and copy editing and um, uh, project managing. Um, so I did my my work on the core book." And then I started uh, developing the first adventure book that came out uh, just after the core book did. Uh, you know, these are the voy these are the voyages, the first endium. Um, And then since then, just kept kept at it, uh, kept writing, kept doing everything I could to stay involved in the game line in any way I could. And then in uh, right after Gen Con of 2019, I guess you know right before the pandemic hit, uh, they made me the project manager. Uh, Stan uh, Webb, who was the project manager at the time, uh, moved on to other things in the company. You know, got a promotion, moved on to other things in the, within Modiphius. And they gave me the, the reins to Star Trek Adventures, pretty much, and I've been uh, going full speed uh, since then. So, what's been seven, almost eight years now?
0: That's that's impressive. I I hadn't even thought about it It had been that long. I'm just like, if you told me like five, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. But I mean, we're closer. We're closer to. Uh, we're closer. We're doing spitting distance of ten years.
2: We're, yeah, getting there. I mean, we're we're what heading into year eight now, so it's. Uh, matter of time before we hit 10. And uh, I haven't done, I haven't done the math too closely. Uh, With the exception of um, Prime Directive, I think Modiphius is almost the, the company that's had the Star Trek license the longest to do tabletop RPGs. I think FASA had it a little bit longer. I think they were there. I think FASA had the license for nine, maybe 10 years. uh, But we're closing in on that. So uh, if we, if we make it that far, that'd be a nice milestone. Uh, But if not, we're, we're just, you know, working on the, on the stuff we're working on.
0: What has been? What has been your favorite piece to work on so far?
2: Oh gosh, this is such a hard question. <laughs> There's so much. Which Which of your and, children uh, is the know. best? No, you know, I, I I got over that a long time ago. when As a freelance writer, uh, you know, doing uh, fiction writing and short stories, and uh, and then indie publishing my own stuff. Um, you have to get over that mentality that the thing is your baby or your child, because otherwise you'll never let it go. But these things have to earn money, so you got to push them out eventually and get them out the door. And get them on the streets working <laughs> so to speak um but uh i don't know i mean every every I've, I've touched every single star trek adventures product i think except for maybe one or two at the very early stages of the line and every one of them has a story right and they're all precious to me in different ways um i think i had the most fun working on the shackleton expanse book of uh, the campaign guide because i had a great group of people to work on and uh it just got bigger and bigger and bigger the more we worked on it until it finally ended up being like 300, 316 pages oh, or something, you know, a full a full campaign, um, in a book, and uh, it's it's got enough material in it for years of gaming, right? But I think that was the one that I had the most fun working on. But I mean, that being said, like everything else is like within a, a few pixels of being near the top as well, because uh, they're all different and interesting to and me that, anyway.
0: <laughs> the most recent, the most recent, I'm trying to trying to pull it up here, but the most recent release has been the captain's log or was lowered, which one was for, or which one's the most recent, Lower Decks
2: or Captain's Log? Uh, uh, captain's Log is the most recent. Uh, uh, Lower Decks came out about a month before Lower Decks. I mean, we, we brought both of them out at Gen Con, um, but the Lower Decks was out a little bit earlier than Captain's Log, uh, but those are the two most recent uh, releases, not counting all of our digital stuff that we came out with.
0: So starting off talking about with the, with the, the, cap, with the Captain's Log, I gotta figure this was a very COVID inspired <laughs> product.
2: Uh yeah, I'd say COVID was a big piece of it. I think it, it didn't hurt that um the solo RPG like scene kicked off early, you know, with i mean it's gotta be what, five, six, seven years or so? Because uh, like you had um Five Parsecs from Home and you had uh Iron Sworn and Iron Sworn Starforged and a few other solo RPGs uh, of varying types of and, and flavors. Uh, that came out within the last few years, and then of course COVID certainly had an impact because, like, all of a sudden, the vast majority of gamers were at home and they couldn't get together with their groups, and they had to figure out online play, and then they had to figure out, well, uh, you know, I really like this game, but I can't find anybody to play with, and I don't want to teach the rules. Like, can I play it by myself, et cetera, et cetera? And so there was like a lot of different, not to get corporate, but there are a lot of potential use cases in a in a solo RPG, right? And uh, you know, we knew that we were we we have a a worldwide well-known franchise and it's like well could we can we do a solo RPG for Star Trek why not let's give it a try and uh, and so we shot the shot took our took our shot and uh, um we I mean it's still fairly new it's only been out a couple of months right but uh, so far the um the feedback has been pretty good but what i'm really the most excited about is the feedback that we've gotten from people where they said where they've been telling us um um you know i never had a creative outlet for the stories I wanted to tell in the Star Trek universe, I had no way to, tell, to write a story or tell a story. I didn't have anywhere to share it. This toolkit that you've given us, was Captain's Log, has unlocked that, and now I can I can tell my stories that I want to tell in this universe, and then you know post them online, put them on YouTube, on Twitch, on uh, all the different um, you know fan fiction sites, whatever. And that's the biggest reward for me is seeing that we released a product and and that helped so many people be creative and add to the universe like add to the star trek you know tapestry so to speak uh so it's uh it, it was kind of self-fulfilling in a way because like i want to enable people to tell star trek stories and this book en- <laughs> enabled them to do it because i love to read right and i'm a whale reader i read everything i can when i have time and so i'm getting to read all these stories that people are creating and i'm like yes give me more star trek stories <laughs> um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's been exciting because uh um i know that you know Someday, you know, the, the license will move on to somebody else, but I'll be able to look back and, and, and read everybody's stories because the Internet is forever, of course. Right. So anything I haven't had a chance to watch yet or read yet or listen to yet, I'll have a chance to catch up and just get to enjoy everybody's um, amazing creativity that's out there.
0: Yeah. Phil, did you see that there's there's uh there's different covers based on what what age you want to do? You want to was it TOS? uh Those old scientists. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And then uh, the TNG and uh, DS9 and even Discovery.
2: Yep, my so you... DS9. <laughs> ds ah. 9 Voyager. Yeah. There goes my microphone. Ah. Excuse me. Shouldn't do that. So how
0: much of the, the Captain's Log retains the core system of Star Trek Adventures?
2: Oh, yeah. Great question. Uh, so Captain's Log is a streamlined version of the 2D20 system that we use in Star Trek Adventures. Um, We retained the core mechanic, of course, and then um, momentum and threat have been simplified, not simplified, but streamlined, where instead of having up to six points of momentum and an infinite number of threat, you either have threat or you don't, or you have momentum or you don't. We made it very binary. Um, We we simplified extended tasks. We simplified combat. Uh, We really tried to lean more into the narrative and the narrative flow of things. And and uh, try to focus on that. So it, I think Captain's Log could probably be a good introduction to STA and 2D20, um, but they are separate standalone systems. Like if you bought Captain's Log, you don't need to buy anything else from the game line to uh, to make it work. You just need a couple of D20s, and uh, and you're off and running. You don't even need the uh, the challenge dice. We took the challenge dice out of uh, Captain's Log just to keep it just to try to keep it streamlined and focused on the um, on the storytelling.
0: Mm-hmm. And it looks like, you know, just as we, we threw it up on the screen there, but it's a pretty cheap mm-hmm. intro point, you know, for just the PDF by itself, $18. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty yeah. legit.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, we tried to make it easy for people to get into it. I mean, even if you're just uh, casually interested in STA, I mean, go get the Quick Start. The Quick Start costs you nothing uh, but the time to download it, right? Uh, and we have two flavors. We have, a, uh, <laughs> we have a Starfleet version and a Klingon version. So if you want to get your Klingon on... Uh, you know, go download the Klingon Start and try that out. But uh, for Captain's Log especially, um, we I mean, we knew it was basically a core book unto itself. And we packed as much information into it as we could about Star Trek in general. Because uh, we were trying to target, like, the casual Star Trek fan, the new Star Trek fan, and also the casual gamer and the casual Star Trek gamer or, you know, the casual RPGer who maybe didn't know a lot about Star Trek but wanted kind of a, um, a primer of the universe. Like, oh, you know, I kind of know Star Trek. How do I get into it? You know, we tried to pack in, you know, some key information about the setting, about the universe, the key players, uh, the key species, worlds, that kind of stuff, and then um, and then put in the rules system uh, in there too. I mean, really, the rules itself is only what maybe thirty, thirty-five pages of the book. Everything else is lore and character generation and starships and uh, and random tables. There's just a ton of random tables in here. There's like I don't know, like a hundred something random tables, and uh, those are all used. Along with the probability matrix to um, to help people generate the story and the plot points and the inciting incidents and all that other stuff that goes into a uh, into a story.
0: Now you were talking about uh, that there's there's multiple use cases for this kind of thing, but I have to imagine mm. one of them is also like people to develop their regular Star Trek adventures games of like giving you an outlet to kind of flush out some of those adventures and use some of those ideas that maybe didn't get used in a game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it harkens back to what I remember loving back in the 80s and the 90s when when like every RPG seemed to have tons and tons of random tables, like random generators or whether they were encounter builders or just like random things that you could fold into your game, either as a game master or as a player, but especially a game master because like we're as a game master, we're so strapped for time, right? It's it's hard to think of stuff. For me, anyway, it's hard to think of stuff off my off my head, like character names, locations, specific traits or something and to have a random table right there in front of you that's themed to whatever you're playing it's just nice just real quick dice grab something off the table and you're off and running uh and i've noticed uh, on social media with the game uh once captain's law came out a a lot of game masters are using the random tables to supplement their star trek adventures gaming you know so they're you know game mastering star trek adventures and they're using a lot of the random tables in the book to uh to add flavor and uh, depth to the you know to the npcs the locations that kind of stuff which is you know really encouraging because uh i'm not sure we intended for it to be a a tool to use an sta specifically when we were writing it but it was just you know lucky or not lucky but uh, happy circumstance that it worked out that way so i'm just I'm, I'm encouraged to see that fans are finding a lot of different ways to use the the material um other than just playing it as a solo um rpg
0: has there been enough interest to like have you have you been asking for like what, when are we getting something else for, for Captain's Log? Have you been having to field uh, off much, those questions much... yet?
2: Yeah, yeah, we've gotten some, some questions about it. And um, you know, I've tried to address some of the questions on, on my YouTube channel and then on social media and stuff. And uh, we're just kind of waiting. We're, we're waiting to see what kind of reaction it continues to get. Um, the, we, we were really gratified and humbled that the, the first print run sold out and uh, the reprint is on its way across the ocean from you know, the UK and and, uh, and Europe where it's printed. And uh, I think we're going to just kind of see, you know, how it goes here for the next few months. And um, and we'll see, like, uh, I, I, I struggle a little bit because like, what could we do that has, that we didn't already pack into the book, right? And it's like, sure, folks want, you know, non-Starfleet ships and even more species, although we packed in like 60 species into the into the book. So like, there's no shortage of potential player, character, species that you can play um but i think we just need to give it some serious thought and then you know do the old uh profit and loss statement and figure out uh, you know what, what can we make that's going to be what can we make that's going to be broadly enough available that that it'll sell and it won't just sit there right so i think we need to think about that uh, one advantage we could would we could play with though is um maybe some uh some digital product products like either freebies like the mission briefs that we give away every other month um or like some priced uh, digital supplements or something um, but yeah, a lot of possibilities. We're just, we're still figuring out the, um, the details on that.
0: Yeah. Hoser 40 K is talking about, uh, uh, he played five parsecs during the p- pandemic and thought it was a lot of fun and just mm-hmm. loves random tables. And then, uh, apparently also watched a couple of your intro videos for, for captain's log. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate that. So speaking of which, yeah, what...
2: random tables, <laughs> go ahead,
0: not finished, finish your thought.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, random tables are awesome because they're they're fairly easy to pull together. I mean, gosh, the captain's log could have been a thousand pages. We could have we could have done a book this thick, right? Just full of random tables and stuff. But like, when you when you're talking about a hardcover, even at a digest size that we did, like to sell a hardcover of a thousand pages is just unwieldy, and it's hard to imagine. I mean, I'm sure somebody would buy it, but uh, it's just you're asking a lot from the printer to to figure out how to bind. Something like that. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it shakes out. You mentioned so yeah, your, your you mentioned
0: question? your YouTube channel, and uh, just to let people know, what kind of information can is it just more details on, or just more uh, about Star Trek uh, adventures, or what are, what are you shooting for with mm-hmm. your YouTube channel?
2: Yeah, I'm still figuring that out, and uh, I've been so busy over the last couple of months that I just haven't had time to get back to it. But uh, and I know content is king, and like the more content, the better but uh, right now i'm kind of playing with uh it, it's, right now it's a catch all of star trek adventures star trek um and then writing because i'm a i'm a i'm a freelance writer i'm a fiction writer um, i've been at it for you know 30 mumble years and i think i can pay it forward and 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 help newer writers as they're coming along but also gain insights from other writers so i'm kind of like it, it right now it's a catch all of of you know freelance writing fiction writing star trek star trek adventures and then like uh, i do uh, product reviews from time to time usually themed around star trek like i've done a lot of blue bricks um i mentioned this is the the defiant right here the blue bricks is a german company that has the license to do star trek models like uh, similar to lego uh, building bricks uh the quality is almost as good as lego not quite there but oh gosh they're so close um and uh, so I, I just like i just like doing that kind of stuff like because uh, I, I just like sharing my passion with uh, with people and um, growing it so slowly, uh, you know, subscriber by subscriber. And uh, I, I don't know if there are uh, any uh, YouTubers out there in your fan base, but I'll tell you, it's it's hard. Like I, I knew it was hard, right? Because like, especially because you've got to constantly feed the machine with content; otherwise, you lose views, you lose subscribers. Like I, I can see the metrics, right? I can, I can see the analytics. I try not to spend much time looking at it because I know that's a rabbit hole that you could get lost in forever. Um, but the funny thing is, um, my son, he's eight and every now and then we watch YouTube videos together and he's super excited that his dad is a YouTuber, right? i a YouTuber <laughs> with my <laughs> 600 subscribers, but he was like, Oh dad, it would be so cool if someday you could get a play button. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. To even get a basic, you know, yeah. silver level, uh, play button, you need a hundred thousand subscribers and like, y- you don't appreciate a hundred thousand subscribers until you're actually starting to do the grind, and like after yep. you know years, I've got six hundred subscribers, and I'm like, "Okay, hey, you know six hundred subscribers, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, well, hold on to get to hundred thousand <laughs> I would have to either do content like twenty four seven or I'd have to really broaden the channel to be like, I, I need to do like, I don't know, reaction videos to music videos or something like a lot of the <laughs> channels are like and it's hard work. like I'm not saying it's easy, but like it, that's a full-time job in and of itself, right? And I just don't have the I don't have the spoons to do it. I don't have that kind of bandwidth anymore. Um, so I think uh, I, I may have to dash his hopes that I'm not going to get to 100,000 anytime soon. Um, and just uh, you know, just have fun doing it while I'm doing it, because that's I mean, ultimately that's the way to do it, right? I mean, with anything, as long as you're having fun and your fans know you're having fun, then you have mission accomplished. I think you know they'll stick around and uh, and hang out with you, hopefully.
0: I I have no idea what you're talking about. As I sit here <laughs> streaming a podcast on YouTube, uh-huh. with with our with our just under, I think we're like seven ninety six, so just under eight hundred. So uh-huh. right there with well,
1: you, Jim's Jim's number is now six hundred forty
0: four. Oh, hoo, <laughs> hooray! Mm-mm. Also, host forty k says, uh, you you should just make your, you know, if you need to make a supplement for Captain's Log, you just another book full of random tables
2: yeah i won't say we haven't thought about it but it's just (laughs) it's just how much is too much yeah 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 i mean it's it's yeah anyway i mean there's just so many factors to play into it like you know who's what's your what's your target audience for a book of random tables that are star trek themed actually now that i think about it it would probably be like if you marketed it right and i hate to say i hate to use marketing but as a word but uh um, I could see the. What I'm really curious about is like, is the fanfic community that writes Star Trek fanfic or slashfic, are they going to glom onto Captain's Log as a writing tool, and then would they buy a book of random tables to help support their storytelling and their and their idea generations and their plot bunnies and stuff? Sounds like know, some marketing there. In,
0: yeah. Someone needs to yeah, go go on. Was it Archive of Our of, of Our Own or whatever?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Be like, hey, I got this product. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh so moving Just on to like geez. a
1: make it make the make the angry GM table. Yeah. Players are pissing you off and you're like, "You know what? Boom, doomsday device. You're all done."
2: <laughs> that's a great that's a great idea. I think uh I'm not sure if we got something like that in the lower decks book or not, but uh I'd have to we have we have stuff around that flavor, but that's a great idea. that's a great idea.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, moving on to something day? uh more yeah. animated.
2: <laughs> mhm. Sure.
0: So the other big uh, big product release you've had this year is the Lower Decks Campaign Guide. And I know this, even in our local group, who it's been a while since we've played uh, Star Trek Adventure, any RPG really, but specifically Star Trek, but we definitely had some people being like, oh my gosh, Lower Decks. And so I guess my first question is kind of a little bit of the the... How, what's the theming of? Is this specifically like you're playing on the Cerritos, or uh, what's, what's the what's the how does the lower decks how, keep that lower decks feel in the campaign guide?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is going to be kind of a uh, a thing where um, fans you, you can't judge a book just by the cover, right? Like, looking at the cover, you may think, oh, it's the it's the lower decks crew, it's the Cerritos but this is really truly a Lower Decks campaign guide. So this is this is a book full of information about the Lower Decks experience, not specifically the animated show, but like you're a Lower Decks officer in Starfleet or the Klingon Defense Force or the Pakleds or the Borg or whatever. You're playing a junior officer instead of the bridge crew. Um, and so we packed the book full of information about what is life like as a junior officer? What are your expectations? What are you expected to do? What's your career path look like? What's your What kind of roles can you play on the ship that isn't the chief science officer the chief medical officer the captain the xo whatever like what do you do and um so it, certainly we we talk about the humoristic themes and and the, the way to run a game with the tone of lower decks the the tv show um but that's not all the book is about because we know like especially with um uh the next generation had an episode called lower decks and then voyager had a couple of episodes where tuvok was a mentor to some of the junior officers on voyager and so we wanted to, like, really tap into that and say, you know, they may not have focused on Lower Decks characters through most of the series, but they were there. Like, especially on the original series, you saw, you know, Ensigns and, you know, Lieutenant JGs walking around in the back background all the time. And, you know, certainly a number of them got, got, uh, got, got killed on any number of away missions, right? They were the ones being turned into styrofoam or being blown up or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so... All those menial, necessary tasks on a ship have to be done by somebody. And that's usually the lower deckers because they're learning their career. They're learning their career path. They're learning how to do the job. They're learning how to boldly go. And uh, because everyone's got to start somewhere, right? And so we've made an effort to pack the book full of information and advice on like, okay, you're a junior officer. Here's how to play a junior officer, whether you're playing Star Trek or or a Klingon game or a Romulan game or whatever kind of game you're It's not just Starfleet focused. Even though that's probably the vast majority of the focus because, you know, in our experience, that's the vast majority of the games that are being played right now. Partly because the vast majority of Star Trek shows that you see on TV and in the movies, Starfle- Starfleet focused, right? Um, so, so, yeah, I think I've, hopefully folks will be pleasantly surprised when they crack open the covers that it's way more than just the animated show. Now, this was our first opportunity to, uh, to go in a different direction than we normally go with, with like the artwork. Uh, Because like all of our artwork is, uh, you know, uh, painted or uh, CGI or or really high quality art and images. And this was the one opportunity we had. We were like, we're going to do a Lower Decks campaign guide. Let's do the Lower Decks art style throughout the entire thing. So we did a a cover, which, you know, if you're familiar with the Star Trek Adventures line, the cover of the Lower Decks campaign guide is a riff off of our core book cover. You know, but we replaced the, the characters with the Lower Decks characters, which was a fun little Easter egg for some folks to discover. Um, and then we we uh, our uh, art director um, Ariel he he's fantastic he was able to find some artists who could emulate the lower decks art style and so we commissioned like 30, 35 original pieces of art for the book and then we got permission from Paramount and uh, Titmouse to use uh, uh, high quality screenshots from the show itself and we dropped those in into strategic you know locations in the book as appropriate um, so you got original art uh, in the lower deck style paired up with screen caps from the show. And hopefully they're close enough that you don't really notice or, or you can't maybe necessarily tell which is which. And that was intentional, of course, because we wanted to try to maintain that look and feel. And I think, um, you know, this was probably the first book that we did over the last, you know, seven years where we actually got some really good extensive notes on the art and also the text. I think this was the first time where, um, because Lower Decks is so important to Mike McMahon, you know the the executive producer and, and creator of Lower Decks. Uh, they wanted to make sure that we got it right, and um, we we got a lot of really good notes from them on on just a, like adjusting the tone chapter to chapter. Like there were some places where we went a little too far, and there were some places we didn't go far enough, and they helped us dial in that tone, especially in the um, in the Badgy sidebars. Like we have a lot of sidebars. Oh, I saw that. In- yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of sidebars talking about insetting content from Badgy's perspective. And this is before Badgy, um, uh, uh, spoilers, uh, you know, changed uh, direction in the fourth season. Uh, but by the by the second season, he was very specific as the character, right? And so some of those sidebars that we wrote were a little too malicious, even for Badgy, and some of them weren't malicious enough. And so we had to like really, work, you know, sidebar to sidebar to really dial them in a little bit. Uh, so that was a really fun exercise. Um, but yeah, so um, it's Star Trek content through and through. So like hopefully fans who check it out will see that it's. It's, it's made with a huge amount of love for Star Trek, just like Lower Decks is, and it's not just about the animated series, it's about all Star Trek. We tried to pull in everything from Enterprise all the way out to the end of Nemesis and beyond, and even, we, I think we even touched on the 32nd century a little bit because uh, of the Discovery. Um, so it's, 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 it's a complete guide to the Lower Decks crew member experience, independent of the, uh, independent of the animated series.
0: Nice, because you can. I mean, getting <laughs> getting the feel getting the feel is pretty easy. You know, it, as far as I feel like most Star Trek adventures, <laughs> people making the. I mean, because at least when I tend to do it, they probably tend to be in more of that uh, comical style, anyways, and mm-hmm. uh, very self-referential humor. So it probably, I would imagine that that feels pretty easy to. Uh, to then, map over to an RPG book,
2: yeah, that's tricky. I think one of the one of the guiding principles I had for the writers as we were working on it is is the reminder that um, humor is really, really subjective, right like what's funny to you is not going may not be funny to somebody else and may be offensive offensive to the next person, and so you can't force funny like when someone tries to be funny, it's not always as funny when this just kind of naturally happens so we put some advice into the book on that but um um it can be easy to be funny and i think you just have to let it naturally happen at the game table whether it's virtual or, or real and uh, certainly you know check in with your group i think we we put some uh guidelines not guidelines but guidance in the book saying you know have that session zero with your group and like figure out collectively what's your what's your what's your sweet spot like wh- how far are you willing to go where do you want to pull back when do you want to fade to black what kind of stuff do you not even want to see on screen, right, or or in the game or whatever? So you know, have those conversations, Um, and just go, you know, just go from there and and have fun. I think um <laughs> based on what I've been reading from some folks, like Lower Decks is the Star Trek, uh, like uh, Monty Python is the D and D. Like plenty <laughs> of my D and D campaigns, I get it have have devolved have devolved into you know Monty Python quote alongs, and I think that's really easy to do with Star Trek we have Lower Decks now. And you can, you can bring in that kind of irreverent humor and still make it feel honest, Star Trek, right? I mean, I think they do a great job on the show doing that where you've got, you know, Boimler going off on a rant about how Starfleet is, doesn't want to protect people from the Romulans and the Borg. They want to go off exploring the cosmos and studying quasars, but they have to do it, damn it, because someone's got to do it. Um, so, like, there's that, that fine line that you can play with there. And uh, we we tried to get that in the book. And uh, just hopefully, fans will uh, will see it and uh, and make use of it.
0: Nice. Now, both of these products are available. You said that you said ca- the, the the physical version of Captain's Log is sold out right now, and you're waiting for the reprint mm-hmm. to ship over. Mm-hmm. But uh, is Lower Decks available uh, in both forms to, as of right now? Uh,
2: the last I checked, yeah. I mean, la- I think I looked at the the inventory last week. I think we've still got. 40 copies in the US. <laughs> in the US warehouse. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's sold out in the UK um, and, and you know, around the world. Uh, and we still have a few copies left in the U S of course, it's available all the time on PDF, but um, I believe both captain's log and lower decks, if they're, if they are sold out, they're both available for pre-order now on the web stores, the midfielce web stores. Um, and the stock is um, last I heard it's imminent in the UK. Uh, Cause of course the, the books are printed in the, in Europe. They go to the U.K. first, and then from U.K. they, they get on a boat, and they come to America. Uh, the boats from U.K. to the U.S. have gotten faster since the pandemic. There was a point during the pandemic where oh, it was yeah. taking uh, six months for a boat to go from U.K. to America, which is ridiculous. But it wasn't just the boat. It was the piers and the, and, the, and the transport and the freight and all that other stuff. And, you know, heaven forbid a port gets shut down because of COVID because then your boats are just sitting in the harbor for <laughs> weeks <laughs> waiting for somebody to get healthy enough to unload them, right? Uh, these are just things we cannot control. But anyway, uh, the books are available for pre-order now if they're not actually in stock. And uh, fulfillment should be happening within the next, you know, six to six to eight weeks or so, just however long it takes people to unpack the crates and ship them and all that good stuff. So, yeah, both both those books are uh, on the way again.
0: Awesome. And uh, will you will all be at uh Pax Plug? Because that's just around the corner here.
2: I don't believe so. I, okay. I, Modiphius um, is... Is doing better with conventions. They're still figuring out how to have presence everywhere, and uh, because the vast majority of the company is UK based, it's it's hard to get people over here on a regular basis because <laughs> it's not cheap uh, right. to fly people over here. You know, I, I'm I'm in the I'm on the East Coast, but uh, even I can't travel everywhere. Um, so yeah, I don't think we have any planned presence at uh, at PAX. Um, maybe next year.
0: Now, sir, I, I I I realize the answer to this is it'd be expensive, but have uh, y'all worked on, uh, have, has there been any thought about getting some of the actual Trek talent to, to sit down and do like a, a actual
2: play or for Star Trek adventures? Oh, we've, we've talked a lot about it. <laughs> I think the, um, the, the earlier mentioned SAG After Strike really hurt uh, because there was a point where the talent um, couldn't talk about Star Trek. Right, they just mm. couldn't talk about it because they didn't, they didn't want right. to accidentally be seen as scabs, and they didn't want to be crossing the picket line or anything. So for months, like all the all the talk we had been doing earlier in the year, kind of got put on hold. Um, and we're like, ah, oh, damn it, we, we can't do it now because they, they they have to we have to respect the strike. We wanted to respect the strike and respect our partners and our friends. Um, so now that that strike has been resolved, now we can start talking again. I would I would be beside myself if any of the talent. Wanted to get involved in a in a live stream or a charity event or something. I, I know some of them are active, avid gamers, uh, and um, are familiar with Star Trek. And I know that uh, um, I just drew a blank on his name, but he played uh, Captain Shaw in Picard season three. Um, I, I, I'm killing myself. I, I just drew a blank on his name. He's a huge gamer. He's in. He's in. He's one of us. He's in the gaming industry. He, he's he was at Gen Con. He's published stuff. Um, he bought the Tricorder set, the Tricorder Collector's Edition set, which oh, is on the wow. shelf around here somewhere. And he was like, "I'm going to run this someday." And we were like, "Please, please <laughs> let us help you. Let us give you stuff, and let us let us help you set up that event." And uh, it just hasn't happened yet. But um, I know that a number of the talent and a number of the uh, behind-the-scenes talent, like the writers and the producers and some other people, like a lot of them are familiar with the game. A number of them play the game, and uh, it's just a matter of like figuring out. When are the stars going to align to make it happen? So, you know, I, I remain hopeful that something will come together. You know, next year-ish, maybe. Uh, but we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, we've been growing this game for seven years now, and I finally feel like we're we're at the point where there's enough inside uh, knowledge of it that maybe something cool could happen. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll just we'll just have to see how it how it works out. I mean, we I think we know the right people. It's just a matter of the schedules connecting and and, and making it for the right reason. Yeah, I don't think we'd want anybody to do a a live stream just for the sake of doing it. I think we'd want to make it meaningful, you know, make it a charity event or something like that.
0: I got to imagine that all the increased push that D&D's been having into getting like actors to do stuff like that has got to be trickling down uh, to other games like this where it, it seems like it'd be definitely more practical nowadays than, say, five years ago.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, I've always thought, especially the more I got involved in Star Trek adventures, and the more I got involved in the project management and like the business side of things, the the more I'm really feeling like D and D is an industry unto itself, right? It's very true. It's it's its its own eight thousand pound gorilla thing over here, and then you've got everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Even even like even like you know Pyzo. And uh, White Wolf and uh, Green Verine and some of the other big companies, you know, S- Steve Jackson, uh, they are very large, you know, players in the in the industry. But like, I don't think anybody, anybody else, is anywhere near Wizards of the Coast in terms of their ability to uh, to sell out a printer and uh, and and you know, to the point where they can't. The printing industry in America says we don't have enough paper to print all the books that you want to make. <laughs> right? right. And and then all the all the other people that are in the rest of the industry are like. Well, shoot! If if they can't if they can't print of all all wizards books, how are they going to have any room for ours, right? And that's that's a real challenge. Um, but uh, I want to say that that there's been a trickle down, but I'm not sure because I think, again, you know, D and D is its own thing. I think you know, ideally, I would love to have talent working on Star Trek and and getting involved in Star Trek adventures and doing streams and Twitches and stuff, but um, I don't think Critical Role or um. Or, or the talent that's been connected to D and D have directly influenced that, maybe indirectly, in in the sense of we sit around and like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if such and such happened for us? But uh, I think it's just such. It, it, there's such different worlds in my, in my in my brain. It's hard to hard to imagine any other game competing at that level. And it's just you know they've been they're the industry leader for a reason, right? They've been around for forty odd years, and um, they're in a unique position. I think more than more than more than most other companies.
0: All right, one last question from here, and that is uh do you have a favorite trek era? The question in the chat is do you have a favorite trek era to solo game in? But I would just I would also say just favorite trek era, period.
2: Yeah, I think uh my favorite trek era is the uh is the DS nine uh you know, late late next gen DS nine Voyager, like the twenty like Dominion War, post Dominion War that especially post Dominion War. Um before Picard came out, I think, and not not no you know no, no aspersions on Picard, I didn't like the direction they went with some of their storylines, and I think at the by the end of Nemesis, you know Voyager comes back, the war is over, Nemesis is resolved, the Romulans are wiped out, uh, or I mean not wiped out, but uh, the Senate is wiped out, and you got a you got a kind of a fresh slate to tell new stories, and that's a great opportunity to to give player characters interesting backgrounds because a lot of them might have fought in the war and had that whole wartime experience, and then you've got new people who probably joined Starfleet to, uh, you know, frankly to to, to refill the ranks because they, you know, Starfleet suffered such heinous losses during the war. So you're building new ships, you're getting new people in, you got um, battle experienced crew. This is a great opportunity to start exploring again. And you know, prior to Picard coming out, and prior to the Lower Decks coming out, actually, now that I think about it, that late twenty three seventies onward. It's just this wide-open slate of do anything you want, um, tying the Klingons and the Romulans and everything else. I think ev- you could even do that now with Lower Decks because I think Lower Decks has made a lot of changes to the... I mean, not changes, but they've, they've continued the timeline, but they haven't done anything so incredibly significant. Like, you know, they didn't do the, the Hobus supernova and blew up, uh you know, blew up Romulus. But I think there's just a great opportunity for storytelling in that post-Dominion War space. Um, I mean, I, I guess certainly you could take the events of Picard and fold them in as appropriate or just kind of like quietly <laughs> quietly ignore <laughs> them and just let the, let them be in their own little corner of the universe and then just do your own thing. You know, it, I guess it depends on how much the group wants to um, adhere to canon or not. But for me personally, I think it's the, post, the post-Dominion War is the most exciting um, time period. Um, that being said, though, I think uh, I need to p- a shout out a very special second place to the Enterprise era. I think the um the early that that whole enterprise era where everything was new, right? Like we, we have these, yes. these 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 pokey little ships that go warp five at best, um, or they're going warp five and you can feel everything shaking and your and your fillings are shaking and everything else. Um there's so much new potential there because they haven't really touched uh the period between the founding of the Federation and the start of discovery, right? So there's like like eighty something years in there where the Federation is just forming and i think that would be fascinating to 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 um explore in an rp setting because like every new species you encounter could be a new ally they could join the federation they could become mortal enemies they could go join the klingons <laughs> the, the, you know they could no. go join the empire um it's just it's just so much potential there and i i think that would be a really exciting time period to uh to explore as well i would just need the right group of players and i haven't uh, i haven't found that quite yet who who want to explore that period of time mostly because they are more excited about the the late you know, 24th century that we know and well know so well from uh, next gen and DS nine and, and Voyager. Oh yeah.
0: So, uh, I will say, uh, definitely when you, when you talked about the, the kind of like post star Trek Debasis, I was like, Oh, so like the, the time period for star Trek online. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And uh, like uh... they've done a lot, they've done, uh, it's, they've done a lot of really cool tie-ins. Um, and in, in season three of Picard, um, the, spoilers whatever the um the enterprise that launches out of the starbase is the enterprise f class from star trek online so nice. a lot of cool stuff getting mixed in
0: wasn't that yeah, oh, right. I, I wasn't wish... that
2: user create like didn't they? I... that Ten... was
1: a user submitted starship yep mm-hmm.
2: yeah i wish uh, I, I wish i had the time I, I know star trek online's been around for what 10 years now almost 10 years yeah maybe, maybe more um, I haven't had the opportunity to play it as much as I wanted to, uh, but I know that they've done some amazing stuff with the story. And I'm also a little bit jealous that they have such good connections to the talent, right? They're able to learn <laughs> a lot of the yeah. talent <laughs> to work on the game, which is super cool. It's just the the different world between an R- a tabletop RPG and uh, you know a, a top top A class uh, um, you know uh, computer computer game uh, online computer game, and. Um, I would love to do, like on my wish list of stuff to develop someday, I would love to do a Star Trek Online book that just like covers A to Z, everything online for the game. Uh, just I don't know what that even looks like right now. We'd have to think pretty hard about that and talk to the folks over there. That's another uh, license you got to get involved. (laughs) Well, it's not so much a license. I think it's just a matter of figuring out who's the right people to work on it, and do they have time to work on a book in addition to whatever they're cooking up next for STO. Um, And then, you know, is there enough is there enough crossover between the Star Trek Online gaming community and the tabletop RPG community, the SCA community, that it would make it actually viable? I think there is, but I think we'd have to play with it a little bit. Um, we did experiment with it a little bit uh, couple, uh, a year and a half ago. We came out with the uh, Utopia Planitia uh, uh, sourcebook for Starfleet, which is just packed full of star, starships that you can use in your game. And we have a great relationship with Thomas Moroni over at Star Trek Online. So thanks, Thomas. Love you, man. Um, he he's been able to give us a lot of artwork pulled right out of the you know really high res high quality art right out of the game that we've dropped in, into our books and used. And um, while we were developing the Utopia Planitia book, he gave us a handful of ships to u- include it in the game. But what he didn't tell us was that he knew that those ships were going to be used in Picard season three. Mm. Right. So that was a nice little surprise because as we were getting ready to release the book, it came out. You know, Picard season three came out, and we watched the show and we we're like. Wait a minute! Those are the ships he gave us to use in the book. <laughs> Holy cow! And so that gave us an immediate lift because we we're like, "Oh wow, our book is going to come out right after Picard season, or right around the time Picard season three came out." And fans like kind of went nuts because they're like, "Wait a minute! These canon ships that we just saw on screen in Picard season three are in this book. How did that work? How did that happen?" And we were like, "Well, we just got lucky with the timing. <laughs> Happy you know, accident. You know, between the between the connections that we had at STO and the and the timing, it just worked out great. So." Yeah, some of the ships you'll see in Picard season three made it into the book, and I think it just made it that much of a better product because uh, not only were we tying into Star Trek Online, we were also tying into canon, right? Because they made those ships canon by putting them on screen in Picard, and that was just a win for everybody. I mean, I know fans love it when they see the different licensees working together, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that more with, uh, with uh, STO and Thomas and everybody in the, uh, in the near future here.
0: I don't know, Philip. Is there any crossover between Sto fans and uh, Star Trek Adventures fans? Uh, at minimum, at
1: minimum, there's there's one. Hi, how you doing? That's <laughs> a good start, <laughs> Mister Lifetime
0: subscription to Sto over here.
1: Yes. Nice. Also, also the first the that that this guy this guy wearing the red shirt over there ah Mister Red Shirt you're going down first just gonna put that out there <laughs> um yeah before I even subscribed to Wow. It was like, oh, Star Trek came out with, damn! Now I'm gonna pay money every month for something. Told myself <laughs> I was never gonna do that. Mm. I nice. just need, I just need the right IP, and yep. then the wallet just empties. That's all it is.
2: <laughs> I sense a kindred spirit because, like, obviously, <laughs> uh-huh. you, you put, you put, you put, you put the Star Trek logo on it. I, I will give it a real close look. Yeah, I may not oh, buy, yeah. I may not buy it outright, but I'll give it a real close look.
0: I yeah. mean, he was this. Wait, like, you didn't end up getting the board, the board cube. At uh, Star Trek Adventures I, thing, I did it not. Like, but I you did. were like was, this close.
1: I, I kept, I, I would walk that that Gen Con where it like me, debuted. Oh, uh, I just like, I'm sure people were looking at me like that dude is always by the Modifius booth. We got to keep an eye <laughs> on him.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like, I, what you do? You got the PDF one instead? I got the PDF of so um because I was just on the Modifius website. Um, I'm missing two. Hang on, let me look at it again. Um, yeah, I don't have uh, Beta, Gamma, or Delta Quadrant books that are in the current PDF collection because they obviously weren't out yet. But I had everything everything else that was in there nice. in PDF form.
0: All right, so obviously uh, for anything Star Trek Adventures, go to Modifius, But uh, for people interested in your YouTube channel, I want you to throw out where people can find that at.
2: Yeah, you bet. It's on uh, YouTube, of course. And uh, the uh, title of it is, uh, the the super original title is The Writing and Trekking Life. Uh, You can search for that. You can search for me. Uh, I'm on all the Star Trek Adventures socials. So, you know, Facebook, Discord, the Modiphius Discord, uh, Twitter slash X. There's a subreddit for STA. Um, There's a few other ones out there. I'm not on the Instagram because I just don't have enough time to do every social media thing. (laughs) Um, and then um, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, Scribe and Eddie, Scribe underscore Eddie. Um, I'm not hard to find. If you get, if you look for anything Star Trek Adventures related, you'll find me eventually. Um, but yeah, hit my hit my YouTube channel if you're curious about the game. If you want some uh, how-to's and you want some um, advice, learning advice, at some point after I clear off some of these projects off my plate, I'll get back to some of the videos. But uh, um, I don't have an aggressive release schedule plan because I just don't have the the bandwidth to to feed the machine like it needs to be fed properly. Uh, so, yeah, you know, that we'll get there maybe next year.
0: I think most people would prefer you keep making the uh, the Star Trek Adventures content. <laughs> for yeah, oh, and I would I
2: would, re- I would be remiss not to say that I'm also the co-host on a on a podcast called Continuing Conversations. That is, uh, I, I co-host that with my friend Michael Dismuke. Uh, he's also a Star Trek Adventures uh, contributing writer and a freelance writer in his own right. Uh, every week we do a new episode. It's all Star Trek Adventures related. We just celebrated our hundredth episode. Nice, uh, a congrats. And so, yeah, thank you, appreciate that. Um, we, uh, we do deep dives into every product. We usually spend four to five uh, episodes on a singular project, You know, going chapter to chapter. We invite a lot of people in, a lot of the freelance writers, editors, proofreaders, artists, um, other guests. We, we especially really get into the fans. We invite a lot of fans onto the show to talk about their love of Trek and Star Trek Adventures. And uh, the topics that we cover run the gamut. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. But it's all related to gaming, and it's all related to bringing more Star Trek uh, feel and flavor to your, uh, to your games. So if you're even just casually interested in that, uh, check out Continuing Conversations. It's on YouTube, but it's on all the all the podcasty things, too. I, I'm not that familiar with all the podcasty things, but I know there's a lot of aggregators for podcasts out there. And I'm sure you can find it easily enough.
0: All right, Philip, it's time to roll that beautiful bean footage. That's been our show, everybody. Uh, we want to thank
1: uh, our good friend Jim Johnson for joining us. If you want to check us out, go to slash live It's got the links to where we live stream. Uh, boardandswords.com also has the links to all the other projects that we've done over the th- what the decade we've been doing this longer, longer, wow,
0: longer. That's right, awesome. Twenty 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 twenty-three is ten years of just this show.
1: Chris has been putting up with my shit for so long.
0: Too long. How long? Too long.
2: Awesome.
0: All right, we love feedback. Send us your feedback. You can email us feedback at boardsandswords.com. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook or at Boards and Swords Pod. On Instagram, I'm at Boards and Swords Chris. And like Philip said, boardsandswords.com's got the links to everything. Like our Patreon. Check it out to help support the show. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode we'll be back on our regular schedule we'll be back in two weeks with another show in the meantime remember that uh every game has a story and uh this one is boldly going where uh every gamer wants to go
2: there we go good night everybody thank you gentlemen appreciate you both thank you for having me on the show yeah, there. To prosper be safe be well Oh, that's it should it should have been
0: this one is live long and prosper I yeah that would have been the better answer.